This is the Land Legacy Podcast, brought to you by Whitetail Properties Real Estate. We're your hosts, Adam Keith. And Matt Dye. This is your weekly resource for habitat management, wildlife management, and recreational real estate. We hope you guys enjoy the show. Hey guys, Adam here. Welcome back to the Land and Legacy podcast. This is uh, going to be a fun one. Um, this is going to be one that is, uh, I, I, I don't know if I should put a cart before a horse, but I want to say every ounce of my being says I want other podcasts to be like this one in regards to what the topic is because as I've talked before, um, this is one that is, I got bit hard, and so um, I am addicted, and we got problems, call the bank, call the wife, and tell everybody we're going to have to sort this out, and um, in that, I'm going to go ahead and introduce the guest that has been Oh, you're the guest on the other podcast this week. Yeah, they're going to have to listen to me on both. Yeah, so Chainsaw Chad's back, or Chad Wapiti Keith is back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we're going to be talking elk and elk hunting. And um, as some of you know, so so this is fun for us because I have so much to cover on this podcast. And I'm and I'm and I'm excited to share so much with everyone. So here's the gist, and I, I and I'll and I'll I'll tell everybody. So Matt and I had no plans of going west this year at all. We were like, well, Matt did. Matt had plans to go west with his family, um, with his wife and his mom and dad, and go all over uh, Montana and Wyoming and Colorado. Uh, that was his plans to go west. And then it hit where, okay, here, here's the here's gist. This is how it all happened for everybody so they can understand what in the world went on on our end. Um, so we did, as you heard, we partnered with Greg Glessinger, Casey Morgan, and we're bringing you 10X, and it'll be on Sportsman's Channel next year. And we're going to be working on doing a podcast that is a hunting focused podcast and next you know sometime sometime uh could be this fall could be this winter could be this spring we're just trying to get through and and get that uh kind of sorted out um for everyone that's that's a big thing and in the process of all that Greg Glessinger um I don't know if to curse him or, or sing his praises right now but he makes an introduction and lo and behold, I think it was early August hit, and Matt and I are like, okay, we're on a, we're on a conference call. We're in a Zoom meetings, and all of a sudden we're booking uh, a hunt to go to Utah. And then lo and behold, Matt's scheduling didn't work out, so it was me, a good friend of ours that you heard the podcast with, Zach Miller, um, longtime friend, and uh, then four of our Land and Legacy friends slash clients. And we, so here's what happened. 
um, we were introduced to a company called Rolling Bones Outdoors, also Rolling Bones Outfitters, and they have they 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 offer services, and they also are um, help with booking hunts, and so you can get on Rolling Bones Outdoors or Rolling Bones Outdoors and uh, our outfitters and cruise through i would encourage so many of our um our our listeners to do this um and you know dream book hunts do all of that but here's the website i want you to go to i want you to go to land and legacy hunts dot rolling bones outfitters dot com and that will take you to kind of a link where uh Matt and I uh, have kind of started building some hunts and some adventures. There's different courses through there, memberships. Um, it's a great organization. I've I I have spent a lot of time emailing and talking with the team over there at Rolling Bones um, over the last couple of weeks, and um, so we booked a hunt through them because there was an opening in in Utah. And we were like, you know what? I think we'll do it. And then Matt couldn't get out of his commitment. The scheduling was like, ah, oh, I can move these days around. And then lo and behold, he just couldn't do it. So myself uh, and and friends and clients went out there. And I'll share that hunt here coming up. Um, and um, and then Chad's going to. We were overlapped. I think you. Yeah, you're a you're a scoundrel, is what you are, Chad. Um, you <laughs> left before we did and got back after we got back, and yeah, uh, ours was planned a little longer. Ours, you know, we're going to a draw unit, and it's generally been um, the last time I went. You know, we did a podcast on it. It was we count on every third year. Yeah, um, I don't know if COVID affected it and more people were putting in, but this time it fell where we didn't get to go till every fourth year or we didn't get to go till four years later so i mean we expected to go last year didn't get drawn shifted and then it's been this year so ours has been planned for essentially two years like all right we're going we're going so i mean ours we count on going for two weeks yeah well so yeah and ours was a month out and i had (laughs) i'll share some stories oh man I got bit hard on this, and I'm not even like, you know, I, we have a lot of clients that go west, and they go like, so we had this hunt, to give people an idea, like, we're, we our, our clients know, and this is the first time a clients are really going to get to, to hear, you know, how this all unfolded, but when we were like, hey, maybe we have clients that would want to join us, we sent out an email in less than 20 minutes, we had it booked up filled up and we had a a pretty long list of clients that were like I'm going let's go find it let's go I'll be in next year and so Matt and I are trying to plan out ahead and and spend some time this is a great opportunity to not only probably spend some time with our clients in camp probably some listeners in the future but all I know is I'm going west and uh, can't hold me back Lord willing and the creek don't rise I'll be out there and, um, you know, this is, uh, very exciting for us because it gives us an opportunity to spend some more time hunting, kick it off. And it gives us a, 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 
kind of a place to plug in. Here's where the really the the thing that's scariest to me or has always been overwhelming is the point system, the application systems out west, trying to understand how can I make this all happen. Like, you know, that this is not your over or it's you know, when I think of the experience we have, Chad, where we've hunted Kansas and Nebraska and I've hunted in Iowa, um, Kentucky, you've hunted Arkansas, I've hunted, I'm trying to even think of some other states we've hunted, and it's like, you get out west, you're like, yeah, you can't, even residents, ah, you can't hunt it because you didn't get drawn, and so it's like, okay, I don't understand how this all works or what units I can, that's where Rolling Bones comes in for us, because they also offer services and understand the application process. And so uh, I I got home, and Chad has probably been, I've been wearing you out and, and a couple other buddies out and saying, okay, in three or four years, I want to be not doing over-the-counter units every year. Like, I'm going to hunt some over-the-counter units in the future, but I want to be putting in points in Montana, Wyoming, and a couple other states to ensure Colorado and, and ensure that – Okay, I'm not just going to an over-the-counter unit. Sure, there'll be people there, but I'm going to do try to thin some people out where it's not just an over-the-counter well, unit. We'll hear in both of our experiences why that's the plan. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. I mean, and and for so for us is um, trying to understand that and talking to uh, Sophie and Kelly over at Rolling Bones helping us get enrolled and um, telling them, filling out the application packet, telling them where I want to be, what I'm, you know, I'm, I'm elk, archery, and I don't care about walking a lot. Um, I don't, you know, I, I would prefer to be a little bit more remote. And um, I really don't want to be chocked full of grizzlies. So find me that and I'll apply. And, uh and so, you know, for, for us, it was like, okay, that, that the hunt in Utah was just enough to get me, okay, we're going to make this happen. And um, so I'm encouraging you guys. Once again, that website is landandlegacyhunts.rollingbonesoutfitters.com, and you can start going through that and uh, get plugged in, become a member, start talking to Sophie, start getting points in these uh, in these states, Montana just closed up, but Wyoming's still open, so do it soon, and you can start building some points so you don't miss out on Wyoming another year. And um, and and that's where – so Matt and I are – we're going to be west in September in future years, and I hope you guys can join us. So start building up those points and go to Rolling Bones, and um, you can start kind of understanding what Matt and I are doing and then they can replicate that. So if there's an opportunity where we find a camp or we're going to a unit and we have, you know, availability, you guys can join us. Um, man, Chad, I don't know about you, but elk hunting was one of those things that it seemed out of reach. Like, oh, it's expensive. And it is. I mean, when you compare it to a whitetail hunt in your backyard, I mean, yeah, it is It is more expensive. But at the yep. same time, if you're doing DIY, it's really not that bad. If you have the tents and, you know, as I was talking to my wife, it's like, 
I'm buying this gear and it's going to be with me for a while. Like I'm not buying a new pack every year. I'm not buying new clothes every year. I'm not buying a new tent every year. Like this stuff's going to last me a while. And, you know, if we kill an elk, 900 pounder, and if we take 400 pounds back, stick it in the freezer, that's a lot of meat. And, yeah. um, and so, you know, for us, we got the cows and it's like, you know, uh, the cattle farm and, as if we butcher and stuff, he's like, okay, there's the beef. But my goodness, if we both kill an elk, that's enough for both of us. And we can say, well, we'll sell all the beef at the farm. Well, not to mention how many deer we need to kill as well. No doubt. No doubt. So for us, that's where it's just like, okay, let's, uh, let's make sure that we don't, uh, we don't mess this up. Let's, let's make it happen. So, um, let's, uh, let's try to get, our points going and make sure that in the future we're always out there and um man i so let's let's face it like you had you had been a couple times filming but had never been hunting but in my experiences as much as i mean we were we kind of inherited from uh grandpa a love of the mountains no doubt so you fell on getting to hunt something that's so similar to turkey hunting yep. that we also inherited a love for. Um, I told you all along, when you do it and really get into it, you're going to be addicted. Yep. And knew it. Like, have said that you need to come with me at some point because you're going to love it and you're going to want to do it a lot more and you need to do it now. No doubt. Yep. And, and, you know, even though I have young kids, um, my wife was like, you know what, do it, go for it. And I was kind of like, really? Because when we booked the hunt, I honestly was like, okay, Matt can go, whatever. I'll just, you know, I got three kids and they're under four, so it's really not good timing. And, um, she's like, no, just go. The kids are fine. We'll make it work. Okay. And so uh packed my bags, and Zach and I ro- rode together all the way to Utah, and um, it was it was a awesome hunt from regards of like the the experience, the time we had together, like the camaraderie. It was a phenomenal camp. We were all like anticipation and excitement was just as high on the last day for me as it was on the first day even though it was a very tough hunt and by very tough, you know, 95 to 11 or 10, six elevation. Um, so it was pretty high up there. And, um, we had one guy in camp that got a little, got a little, uh, altitude sickness. Um, and at the meet and this, but at the same time, this was a, uh, a unit, that had a lot more availability than, than where Chad was at for just one example. So there was a lot more activity, um, a very good road system. And I'm not sure, you know, because I'm a rookie in the, in the, in the mountains when it comes to the hunting, but on the other hunts I'd been on one was, well, I guess they both were private land, but they were next to national forest. Um, there just was a ton of roads. And because of that, um, there was lots of recreational riding, and uh, we saw elk. They heard elk. Um, 
You know, there was times where I thought I could hear some or like, ah, that was an elk. But, you know, by the time you moved in it, and here's really if, if I was going to sum up my hunt in, 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 in just a quick little phrase, I would share that it had rained a lot leading up to our hunt for weeks on end. It had, it had rained off and on. And then it did not rain and got hot and dry when I was there. And we had the full moon right in the middle of it. Whether we want to say that affects it or not, a lot of people will say it does. So I'll just throw that out there. There was so much water, though, Chad. And I'm curious about you and where you hunted. Where we hunted, there would be a ditch, like, (laughs) it's kind of funny. It's like, you know how, like, here in the Ozarks, we get a huge gully wash of rain and the little ditches fill up and it's like two foot wide and you can like step over them, but they're like gushing water. There would be that. One of the places we went um, and really started finding a lot of elk sign towards the end of our hunt, there was water that was a foot and a half wide and it's just gushing like a toilet flush. And you're like, there is water everywhere. And it feels like we should be hunting moose and we're in Maine right now rather than hunting elk in Utah. And so when you add high temperatures, hot, like warm and dry, you automatically say, well, hunt water. Well, water was everywhere because it had rained up until that point a lot. And then you add on the fact that because of the heat, they're more active at night throw the full moon, whether or not it affects it or not, into it, you're like, oh, man, this is tough. And um, we found some really good elk sign towards the end of our hunt, like one of those where I wish we'd have found it early and I would have been like, we're going to kill something now. And we found it, and and it rained for the next 36 hours. And then the hunt was over. <laughs> it was time to come home. And you're like, oh, what a, what terrible timing. So I'll chalk it up to like one of those fishing trips where you say, should have been here yesterday or should have been here. You guys should have came. You should be here next week. That's when it's really going to get good. That's kind of what it was for us. Where it's like, oh, man, you know, bad timing. Um, saw a ton of mule deer. Saw a bunch of grouse. Killed some grouse. Ate some grouse. And, Chad, I don't know about you, grouse is better than chicken. I haven't ever eaten one. Oh, really? This is the first year I've went out there um, with the small game license and thought I would try to kill one. And then just, we didn't see, so it was really dry where we were at. Yeah, and a lot warmer. Like I was, we were seeing mid to upper seventies some days, but still like, you know, even that to me, isn't that hot on the mountain because it's dry, but at the same time when there's almost no humidity and there's just dust everywhere, like from the roads, you're just like, my gosh, it's dry, but then there's water everywhere. It's the weirdest thing to me. We were, we saw for the most part of that trip. Um, at least low 80s, a yeah. lot of days mid 80s and dry. Yeah. And even some days where we got, we had a day almost 90, if I remember right. Um, but then even some days where it was colder in the morning, we had a day that was upper 30s, I think. 
Yeah. And it still got up almost to 80 or yep. like 280. And it was just, it was finally the last couple of days of the trip, it cooled off and it was rainy. Yeah. Um, but up until then, it was, it was dry and hot. And that's what, um, until we had the day that the, the morning that was cold, we saw very few grouse. We saw very few mule deer, um, just some elk, like just elk, like very little. And then all of a sudden that cold day hit and it was like they were turned out of the cages. You saw, we saw a lot more grouse. Ah. Um, but I had, <laughs> didn't realize that my elk tag also, it was written out that I had my small game license. We I, did the I same got, thing. I got the small game license and thought, oh, and I, I left that in Missouri. Both Luke and I both thought that. And then um, about halfway through the trip, Luke was looking at his tag. And he's like, hey, it's a small game on here. We can kill those things. Yeah. And I I shot one, I shot at one, didn't kill one. Oh. And that was just, I just happened to think of it that day and had the chance. And most of the time, it when I saw him, I was out hunting, and I didn't want to have to carry one around. So. Yep. Well, I shot and killed one, and the other guys shot and killed one, and we cooked it up, and kind of on a hot skillet with some in some in some uh, oil and a little seasoning on it. And it was kind of like, you know, nothing, nothing. Uh, oh goodness, what's the word I'm looking for? It didn't look like a restaurant meal where it was like, oh, yeah, look at all this. It was just kind of like, here, now, well, let's, let's eat it right off the thing. And it was better than chicken, in my opinion. And um, hmm. we saw, I think, blue grouse and um, rough grouse. We saw both of them. Where do, you really? think, where do you think we saw them? We saw them where they had done timber harvesting. <laughs> They had done one of those fuel reduction cuts along the roads. Yeah. Um, And that's where we saw a lot of them. And then we saw a big, it was like five or six rough grouse together in a, uh, in a blowdown area. So a lot of young forest coming up. We've only, I've only ever seen the like dusky grouse or whatever. Yeah. I think that's what, yeah, I think that's what these were or the blue or duskies, I don't know if they're the same thing, but um, I'd have to ask Kyle and Frank all that. They'd probably give me a lecture after this when they hear it that <laughs> I got it all wrong. Um, yeah. But beautiful bird. Uh, we saw a lion um, driving out one night. Not a real great look at it, but enough to know, you know, that wasn't anything else that's on this mountain. That had to be a lion. Um, yeah. And then we saw, what else did we see? Did you guys see the bears? We heard bears. One day we were uh, crawling or crawling around kind of on a bluff to scout one morning and uh, listen, and we heard that, like, you know, to me, what I pictured was two bears fighting like National Geographic. That, like, that wasn't the one that turned out to be somebody in Camp Snoring, was it? No, 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 no. Yeah. <laughs> Forgot about that one. Um, no, this was like, we all kind of bug-eyed look at each other and they were like, there's a bear down there. And as we're sitting there and we're kind of like, where are we going to go this afternoon? I looked at Zach and I said, well, unfortunately we're going to go right down there where that bear was in my mind. And he just laughed and we're like, okay, sounds good to me. So, uh, 
I I had a bear like coming towards me. I I don't know if like I, I was cow calling and it was kind of moving my direction and it was coming up the hill. It got to twenty yards of me oh, before man. it saw me and took off. Is that the only one you saw? That was the only one I saw. Yeah. Well, we didn't see uh, any bears. Um, yeah, I saw the saw the lion and heard the bears and. I thought one morning, since people are probably wondering what we're talking about, the one close to camp. So apparently, we didn't know this, um, one of the guys in the other tent, so we had two tents. We were in a drop camp, and um, one of the other, so Zach and I were in one tent, and the other guys were all in a bigger tent together, and uh, they were positioned a little closer to the drop, uh, or the little, you know, as it sloped down into a valley, and they thought they heard a moose one morning. One of them did. He said he could hear like, oh, oh, out there. Well, uh, then they were hunting, and they ran into a uh, another hunter, and he asked where we were camped, and they kind of explained it. And uh, he said, oh, there's a dead moose just right back there behind your, behind your guys' camp. Where you're at, the road kind of wraps around. He's like, there's a, there's a dead moose right in there, and it's got a bear that's going in there and eating on it. And uh, I was like, oh, how close is it? No, probably less than a quarter mile. I was like, oh, that's great. So we're we're camped out with a dead moose in the backyard. Um, so that was kind of playing, playing in your head a little bit at night, um, whatever. One morning I woke up and um, there was mule deer in camp. And uh, I heard it kind of trot off because it was just right next to the tent. And uh, then I hear, oh. And I like, whoa. Night I mean, blue blaze right across the campsite, pshoom, right back into the tent. Zach, him and I were usually up first to make coffee and he goes, What is it? And I said, I don't know. I'm getting a flashlight. And uh I grabbed a flashlight and I stepped back out there and here. And I'm like, Okay, it's coming from over here. Let's creep around. And I'm like, wait, that sounds Oh, and it was one of the guys in the back of the tent on the in the other tent snoring like every third breath. Oh, he'd make this growly sound. So it's like, oh my goodness. So yeah, welcome to a camp with a bunch of dudes. You're gonna hear noises. I'm not used to hearing coming from the people I sleep around on a regular basis. <laughs> so, well, anyway. speaking of that, like that was what we had moose in camp. Yeah, and. uh at, we had them close a couple times, and then one one evening when we pulled in, there were there was a, a a bull and then a cow and two calves right there by the by camp. And as we went to go to sleep, they were twenty yards from the tent. Oh, you could geez. hear like the calves making noise, and you know, with moose, you really want to watch out with the cow with calves. Yeah, and. It was kind of, we were on edge, like, I hope she doesn't just, like, charge into our tent. Well, Luke and I both snored, and he woke up in the middle of the night at one point and heard the moose grunting, and I was snoring, and the moose was grunting. He thought it was coming towards us. Because and he told me the next morning, he was like, I almost woke you up because he's like, I was afraid that that thing was like 
aggravated at you snoring and was going to come into the tent with us. <laughs> That's he awesome. He said it finally, it was like, he's like, I think it was like 40, 50 yards out there and it kind of veered off. But he's like, I thought it was coming into camp. Oh, man, that's funny. Yeah. I don't know about you, but, like, the idea of, um, like, camping for seven days. I told my wife, she's like, so where are you sleeping? I said, we're sleeping in a tent. She goes, for seven days? I was like, yeah, baby. And uh, we took our last showers in Wyoming as we one morning ducked into Utah and went and got everything coordinated and went up on the mountain. And uh, we drove out that next wednesday i think it was and drove and drove and drove and got all the way into somewhat kansas and uh, got a hotel that night and that was the next shower and we were like i remember we said oh, i'm gonna shower for an hour we both said that and i think it was 15 minutes and we were both passed out in our in our beds in the hotel <laughs> it was like uh uh-uh, I, I we were out there long enough we could go take a shower like in there was a a place that we could buy we could pay for a shower. Yeah. And we went, I think we only went once. We brought a, uh, one of the bag showers yeah. and had a little tent to use it. And we'd done it last time and it worked all right. This time the tent, I mean, I'm, I'm almost six two and Luke's taller than I am. Yeah. And the, the, the shower in the tent was not made for tall people. Hmm. Um, I took the shower. I ended up was on the, like, I stood on my knees in the tent, in the little tent to take my shower. So I did it once and then I'm like, yeah, that's enough. I'll just wipe down with wipes from here on out. Yeah. Oh man. That's funny. Well, so you're batting a thousand. I'm still batting a thousand. That, that next hunt's going to be a lot of pressure. You know that, right? There's a lot of pressure. There was a lot of pressure this time. And I told people at work, I'm like, I don't, I've killed one the last two times I went. I'm, I'm due for a bad trip. And, and there was a moment there. So we get out there like muzzleloader season. We, we get there the week before muzzleloader season and hunt a few days before muzzleloader season opens. Um, the second day of muzzleloader season that morning, I think I went to three different spots and there was somebody there. Oh, man. And that was the morning that I thought, oof, yep, this is the year. This is the year I don't kill one. Yep. Um, it, it, was, it was hot. It was hot the whole time. They weren't bugling much. Um, I did have that morning that I called you guys. And gave you the update that I'd called in a really, really big bull with 12 cows and calves. Yeah. To 40 yards. The herd bull. Um, the herd bull. That it's one of those that you think, you second guess a lot of the stuff you're doing and think of like, oh, I could I could have done this. I could have done that. Yep. But didn't kill him. On some other elk, but they just didn't. They would bugle some, they bugled late. It was so hot, they wouldn't bugle till late in the evening, or they would bugle for a little bit in the morning and then shut up. Yep. And it was never a lot of bugling, so you couldn't get close and really get them fired up. Yeah. And then muzzleloader season opened, and everyone we talked to, they were like, I've never seen this many people here. There's way more people than normal. Yeah. And it was, it was pretty, it was pretty sorry for a while. Like, you, I mean, 
in comparison to you guys, we were here in Elk, but it was just frustrating. You couldn't, you never really felt like you were in the game. Yeah. Um, still on some elk, but just nothing, nothing really working out. Um, then towards the very end of the trip, I guess it was, so we were, we, 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 Friday was our last day to hunt. And I guess it was Tuesday. We got on a bull that bugled a little more and actually got close and we're like, okay, I think they're maybe starting to turn. And there was some weather changes coming. We yeah. had, we've been, it finally was going to rain and stay cooler through the day. It wasn't going to be as cold at night, but it was going to yep. stay cooler through the day. So the next, the next morning, um, when the rain was starting, to, it was supposed to hit that evening. Yeah. Um, they bugled earlier. And, I slipped in. I had, I had, I had a bull kind of coming. I, I called some cows in. The cow came up on top of the ridge, looked around. They just the whole group never made it up. They dropped back down the hill, and I got on some other elk bugling, and slipped in, and they were just out of sight. And lightning started popping. You could see the rain off in the distance, and. Luke texted me and said, you better get out of there. And a bull, I don't know if it bugled facing away, but I'm like, okay, they've moved away. I'm getting out of here. And it was a, like, as fast as a Southern Missouri boy could go that's not used to the altitude (laughs) to get out of there. I mean, I was sweat just running down my face to get back to the four-wheeler. It was all uphill all the way back to the four-wheeler, but I'm like, I've got to get out of here because – I don't like lightning. I don't like thunder and everything you hear of the storms in the mountains are vicious. Yeah. They're scary. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's like, I got to get out of here. And it was like a flying trip down the mountain to get back to camp. And then it's, and then it rained and then it was nasty all morning. We just really never got on yeah. anything that morning. And I told Luke, I'm like, I was on those elk. It's almost to the end. It's I'm, I'm going for them tomorrow or tonight. I'm gonna. Yeah. I, I may take shelter under some spruce trees, but I'm going. I'm going right into the heart of where those ones were at. Yeah. And I dropped down to where I'd stopped and the night before. They yeah. started bugling earlier. Yeah. Luckily, and I dropped down to where I'd stopped the night before because my plan was to get on the same level as the elk. Yeah. The night before, I was above them as the wind, as the thermals were starting to drop, and I just never felt great. Yep. And I'm like, I'm going to get down to their level from the start. As soon as they start bugling, I'm dropping down. And when I got to the spot I'd stopped, there stands a bull at 100 yards. Like yep. rubbing a tree. The other two were bugling. He, I, I hadn't heard him yet. He finally he bugled then. And I knew, like I saw him, I'm like, I, I'll shoot that elk. It was a, a five by five. I'm like, I'll shoot him. And he was kind of veering off towards the others. I think I cow called then. He, I don't know that he even heard me. I think he was raking a tree then. He started moving off, and I, I mean, it's late in the hunt. You start getting. Isn't attracted. it remarkable how, to me, in hearing all these stories, you always try to correlate it with something you've already done. It is so interesting to me how much more elk rake trees and get aggressive than whitetails. Yeah. 
Like we I don't saw multiple times. You, you know what I'm saying? Like you don't, and, and we hunt them differently. It's not like whitetails call and or like are bugling or do anything like that. But like even when you grunt at one, he it seems like they come and look. And occasionally they'll rub or scrape. And scraping being way more uh, seems like way more common than rubbing. But at the same time, not to say they don't rub, but it just seems like yeah, he was. You could hear him down there raking. You're just like, is that all they do? That and bugle and yeah. snort and stomp and chuckle well, and. I did hear the weird noises of the one in the wallow that one night. Yep. The night before, where I could hear him down there, and it was like, it, I, I still, it's hard to like, I can't even explain it. And I don't even know how it was almost like water drop, like like rocks dropping in water, but I I don't know how they made the noise. Yeah, it was weird. But I'm like, it was in that wallow that I I found years past or the last time I went. But um, but it's it's like a, a lot of the elk I saw, and you walk around out there, and there's raked trees everywhere, especially like the smaller aspens. They're just raked everywhere. Yeah. So anyway, so I dropped down as he started to move off. I it had rained, so it was wet and it was quiet. So I hit an elk trail and slipped. I got to within 70 yards of him. Yep. And he kind of stepped out of sight. I cow called a couple times, gave it a, like, let it sit a second, cow called again, and the next time I saw him, he was walking to me. Oh, man. And, I like, I caught a glimpse of him, He was, and I'm like, oh, he's coming to me. And I had a big spruce tree out in front of me at about, it was at about 25 um, and I was just backed up to another spruce tree and he, uh, he came right at the spruce tree. It was on the left side and he turned and I mean, it couldn't have worked out more perfect. He comes on the left side of it, goes behind it. And when he comes out, he's at 30. Mm. So of course I drew my bow when he was behind it. He steps out at 30, like saw he stopped there and I think could see like, okay, that cow should have been right here and I don't see her. Yeah. And like kind of stopped short and I'm like, whoop, I better shoot him. And I, I shot him. He was a little, a little quartering too, which I don't yeah. like, but it wasn't so aggressive of a quartering two that I was afraid that I wasn't going to get vitals pretty good. And, yeah. Um, I shot him, ran off down the hill. He ran farther than the other two I've shot. I don't know. I can't remember exactly how far he went, but um, with the rain, it started raining right after I shot. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm jumping on this where I can see fresh tracks, can see blood. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pick this up quick with an arrow knocked. I yeah. can move quiet with the rain and. And not drop. only that, but at the same time, like out here, you can't, you can't sneak through the timber because of the leaves. But out there, you yeah. can sneak. Oh, yeah. And so I snuck down and essentially just, I, I, I found him pretty quick. Um, and he had went, I don't know, maybe, maybe a hundred yards. Yeah. Maybe a little more. Oh, man. Um, and then heard other elk, bugle. I mean, the other elk that had bugled earlier were, of course, heard the noise and they're bugling. They're not far. Yeah. That that night was that was a the best night we had. The yeah. weather was awesome and they bugled like crazy. Oh man. 
You told me one time there was a hunt or there was a day where you heard bugling from pretty well nonstop. Right? Yeah, well, not like all day long. Okay. But that that one they bugled they didn't bugle much that morning because it was the rainy, foggy, nasty. It was it was just a nasty morning, but then Yeah. They started bugling at like two or three in the afternoon that that afternoon. Oh man. Like the moment we got out there, we ran a little late because of the rain, because yep. it had rained, finally broke. And that was when we were out there, we heard him bugle, essentially. We, that that place I hunted, there was a big rock pile. And I would generally go out there and listen to that and kind of strategize from where I wanted to go. Yeah. And we heard him bugle from there. Like got out there, heard one bugle pretty quick. Oh, man. So... That's that that evening, and that was when I shot that one. Luke was on the same ridge as I was that night, and actually texted me. He didn't have great service. I did, yeah. and he'd text me. Do, well, his first text was, "Are we going to shoot a cow out here?" And because it was late in the late in the hunt, and I I had already shot this one. I'm like, uh, I just shot a five of five. He didn't get the text. He texts me then later. Was that he heard a a bull bugle really close to him that was the direction off the ridge that I'd went. He's like, was that you that bugled right here? Yeah. And then he finally got my text and realized, whoa, that was not him. There's a bull really close. And he stepped to, he said he was about 70 yards from, he thinks of at least a caliber of the elk that I, the really big one. <laughs> and Damn. then it had like 20 cows with it and they all ran off. Oh, he and then he had a couple other bulls come by him that heard the noise. One of those was a decent five by five, and the other one was smaller than that. But they heard the noise of the elk running off and came up over the other side of the ridge to see what was going on. Huh. Oh man! So that that night was exciting. Yeah, but you had to endure some days that were not so exciting. But that's hunting. A lot of days. That's hunting, and I think yeah. that's where it's like, you know, somebody told it to me best. And I don't even know how they, uh, who who it was. So I'm sorry if I, if you listen to this podcast. But I think I I think it was our buddy Mitt, um, who's been on the podcast. And he said something like, uh, "If you have a bad experience elk hunting, you say I'm going back because I want to have a good experience. If you have a good experience, you say I want to go back because I want that experience again. And so it's like yeah. you go, you're going again. Just plan on it." And that's where I, I got hit hard, and I'm like, okay, let's start booking. And so I call up Sophie, or email up Sophie at Rolling Bones, and was like, Sophie, I need, this is what I want to do. I want to put in points where I can bounce from one state to the next, preferably uh, archery only, where it's draw, and um, I don't care about walking. And, I, and that was a funny part of the story. It all happened so fast. Life's so hectic, especially in August. And one of the guys in camp with us said, he called me a couple weeks before we go, and he goes, you getting ready? You've been running? You've been you've been working out? You've been getting ready? I said, I haven't done a thing. How many shot my bow much or at all at that point? And he's like, you're kidding me. And I'm like, no, nope, but I'll be fine. I promise you, we get on that mountain, I'll be fine. And, uh, you know, nine and a half one day, nine and a half another day, six and a half a day. And I was like, 
I came off that mountain and was like, I did better than I thought I would. I feel awesome. And I'm going back, baby, but I'll be a little bit more prepared. Now, the one unfortunate thing for me was the, you know, I had COVID back at the end of August. And I don't think my lungs had gotten completely healed yet because I had trouble making bugles and having enough air where it was like, I can't even hold my breath for three seconds. And how am I supposed to bugle for four? So, like, I had no valley in my lungs. So I was like, you know, like, if you just take a big old lung full of air and, like, slowly blow it out, like, on a grunt call or a duck call or doing a hail call, you can be like, that was my mallard hail call from uh from my l- just normal mouth and when i was out there i bet you i'd be like like out of air hmm. walked fine hiked fine had no problem but blowing and getting excited and we had uh what we thought was an encounter but we had ran into another hunter and he had uh it was funny. That was that was one of those hunts where it's like, if we had not found out it was Hunter, we'd have come off that mountain like, this is the best thing ever, which we kind of <laughs> still are doing that. Um, yeah. Even though the hunt was not, it was a tough hunt, but a tough hunt, and uh, we feel like we got put pressure, and uh, we were a lump of coal, and we got put in the pressure, and now we're a diamond because we're that, we're that excited uh, because even we... Even mine, like, I've had some great hunts, but... I've said all along, it's like, I want to go more. Yeah. I want to go more than every third year or every fourth year. It's like you, you learn stuff every time and then you, you, you don't go for three years. Yeah. And it's like, I want to do this more. I want to do this more while I'm able to do, to get around on the mountain as well as I can. No doubt. No doubt. And my knee, you know, I've had knee issues the last couple of years and I feel like, honestly, I feel like God's healed me because it should have been erect by now, what the doctor thought. I haven't been back. <laughs> he told me if I didn't get it probably worked on, there was probably a good chance uh, that it was going to be a complete knee replacement in the coming years with as active as I am and things. And um, I've been praying about it a lot, like, just just help me, you know, heal this. And uh, I was on that mountain up and down, crawling over it, and I had not one bit of problems with my knee and uh, I got home, my wife's like, how's your knee? And I'm like, fantastic. No problems at all. And she's like, you've been healed, haven't you? And I'm like, I, I think so right now. Like, I, it's like gone. You know how I was griping for a while, Chad, about it. And it was just like, we were all over those mountains. And by golly, we came off of it. And I said, I'm coming back. And uh, I looked at Utah and I said, um, I'm going to come back for you, but I'm going to go right across the road in the trophy unit in three or four years and uh i am having a blast and i can't wait to to learn more about elk hunting and uh i know some of the guys if they even made it whitetail guys they're like oh he's talking elk hunting i'm not doing it do it get yourself out there i promise you you'll love it um well i mean we we talked about this today at the farm and i told you that i told you the advice i had from an older guy one time where i was I was just planning the first elk hunt and I talked to, I can't even remember. I don't even know that I knew him. I think I was like at a Bass Pro one time Yeah. and I was getting my stuff together and I said I was going on the first elk hunt 
And the old, the guy was in his seventies, I think. And he's like, well, you're doing it right. He's like, I'll tell you. He's like, I had, I had this advice years ago and I didn't listen to it. He's like, go when you're young. He's like, if you think, if, if you don't know for sure that you can afford it, but you might, you need to go now. Yeah. He's like, go when you're young. Don't wait until you know for sure that you have the money to do it and it's comfortable to be able to go because then you're not going to be able to do what you want to do on the mountain. No doubt. It's like, if you go when you're young, he's like, just make yourself go. Don't put it off. Mm-hmm. He's like, I put it off. And the first time I got to go, I, I, I knew I'd made a mistake because I couldn't do on the mountain what I wanted to do. Yep. Yep. Oh man. Well, hopefully, uh, guys, if you're considering it, if you're thinking about hunting, you're trying to understand applications, plug into Rolling Bones, landandlegacyhunts.rollingbonesoutfitters.com, and uh, check it out and start looking, cruising through some of these hunts that they have on there and trying to book stuff for next year if you're interested. Matt and I are going to be on there doing a lot more stuff as far as planning our hunts and various things. And um, we're just, man, we're just uh, ready to get after it and get on those mountains again. I'm I'm kind of a when people keep asking me, oh, you been yet? I haven't even been whitetail hunting yet. Um, trying to get back and get caught up on everything, and I'm almost there. But at the same time, it's like I can't. I haven't. I haven't got off mountain mindset right now. I'm still, you know. There's been a few pictures come through in our emails lately that's got me really excited about October later yeah. this month. And I, I guess I can, I can talk. Uh, you know, I did the podcast with matt yesterday on our way to go hunting oh yeah and i'd been skunked the other two times i, I went a couple times last weekend yeah and it's gonna be skunked. a tough fall it is and really we went kind of on a whim like well let's see what happens we can go in here i i we had an, a, a really close encounter with a really really nice three and a half year old and still up in the air on whether the other one was a really nice three and a half year old or a four and a half year old. Yeah. Like two really nice deer at 15 yards. That yeah. It was a flash. I mean, like two seconds to make the determination, shoot or not shoot. And I passed it. Yeah. And I, I think, I mean, if you're not sure that's the best, the best call is not to shoot. It's a lot better to do that than to shoot it and then walk up on it realize i really shouldn't have shot that deer yep no doubt so yeah but anyway guys um hopefully you enjoy this podcast and you're going to enjoy more future podcasts on elk and western hunting um you may hear more of that over when we launch the other podcast but uh um this is something that man i just i couldn't get enough of so i'm going to be out there as much as i can but Anyway, guys, we hope you enjoyed it. We'll catch you next week.